Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Hewitt and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show. Your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. So hello Patriots and welcome back to the Conservative Voice Show. And so, um, yeah, yesterday, unhappy Americans stormed and breached the Capitol building. Trump announces that there will be a peaceful transition and multiple staffers and aides resign from the administration. All of this and much more on today's show. So it's fine with everybody. I'll just put it out there put it, and just clear the air, right? Biden's electoral votes have been confirmed and that he is now even more so officially the president-elect, okay? He will be inaugurated on January 20th. And as we will get to later in the show, Trump has admitted and for the most part conceded to a peaceful transition of power. But none of this happened right without deadly and violent riots and protests at the Capitol. All right, guys, I will start by saying this because I'm going to cover a lot today. And I don't want there to be any confusion what I'm saying or anybody to try to use what I'm going to say as a or take it in a manner not the way that I prescribe it, right? So I will start by saying that I do not condone any of the activity of any of the members of my party that took place yesterday. I do not agree with it, the actions. What they did undercut the democratic process that was taking place in the exact building that they decided to riot and break into. And from the same people that say they, they agree with the Constitution and are these same ones that yesterday interrupted the constitutional process. And every American, Republican, Democratic, or I'm sorry, Democrat, Independent, should be calling out every single individual that disregarded law yesterday and broke into the Capitol and defiled the sanctity of the democratic process that was taking place inside of it. There, there's that, it's a uncalled for, all right? With that being said, this violence did not start overnight. This has been a pressure cooker that has been turned all the way up, right? All of these things have been thrown in this pressure cooker, slapped the lid on it, cranked that thing on high, and that's what we have yesterday. And the riots that we saw at the Capitol is just was an exodus of emotions from a group of people that, in my opinion, failed to see the bigger picture. So to understand all of this, we are going to have to take a walk down memory lane. So we remember Trump's last four years. We remember that at the start of his presidency, before he was even elected, that people were calling for his impeachment and all these things that the media called for and tried to, like, I guess you could say, like, how do we say, like, demonize him before he even got into office, followed up by the Russia collusion investigation that took place over the last four years on a fake steel dossier based on zero evidence. And then that goes forward into just the woke culture just kind of taking a hold of America that is then strengthened by those on the left and the Democrats. And then the BLM and Antifa protests that took place that we saw routinely Democrat governors and mayors taking no enforcement action on and just allowing their cities to burn to the ground. So we'll take a break right there. When law is not enforced, it is only going to embolden those and strengthen the idea to violate them. If I can speed and not have to worry about getting in trouble for speeding, well, I have places I want to go, 
I'm going to drive faster. Same thing here. People see people rioting and looting without consequence. The only thing that they're going to believe is, okay, well, I can ride and loot when I don't get my way without consequence. So the lack of law and order that we saw on the left just emboldened these riots today. Coupled out with election irregularities and questions that went unanswered, right? We saw all over in many swing states, violation of election law, violation of constitutions, and irregularities and potential voter fraud that just went unanswered. When the constituents called for investigations, they were cast aside, told not to worry about it. And then a rhetoric by the president about the election fraud and telling his supporters never to give up and to never quit the fighting. All of that is inside that pressure cooker, right? All of it. And then that's not put on the stove. And then January 6th and the counting of the electoral votes and January 5th and the runoff elections in Georgia were the fire, right? So yesterday, as we all know, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue both lost, or I should say it appears as they're going to lose both those Senate seats or are going to put in a 50-50 split inside the Senate with Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker. So now you that ratcheted up the heat. And then today, well, not today, yesterday, January 6th, and the counting of the electoral votes was the heat on that pressure cooker. So what did it all end up in? Well, this ended up in rioters storming the Capitol building. It ended up in violent, violent protests, violent rioting outside the Capitol, which then breached inside the Capitol. So I will start this by saying this, like we'll go into all of that. The last time that there was an attack on the Capitol was August 24th, 1814, after the Americans lost the Battle of Bladensburg and the English troops marched into Washington and set fire to the Capitol building and the president's mansion and a slew of other right local landmarks. That is the last time an attack on the Capitol has occurred. And I will say it again, Every single person that defiled the Capitol yesterday needs to be brought to justice, right? And we will cover something that'll be a little controversial a little bit later, so make sure you stick around for that. But every single person needs to be brought to justice for that. 1814, right? Over 207 years ago was the last time the Capitol building was attacked. That is incredible. All right, so where did all that end up in, right? Early in the morning, there was a Trump rally held in D.C. If you follow me on Facebook, or I'm sorry, if you follow the show on Facebook, which if you don't, you shouldn't, or I'm sorry, if you don't, you should, not you should, if you don't, you should, I'll link it down in the show notes. Guys, take, take a look at it. I did a watch show where I just live streamed the rally the, that Trump and Rudy Giuliani and other supporters of Donald Trump were having there. And this rally was at this rally, Rudy Giuliani spoke about election integrity. Donald Trump said the exact same thing, in my opinion, that he's been saying for the last several months. I don't think like you'll see it as we go through this. A lot of people are blaming the president for inciting these riots. I don't know if I can necessarily say incite to say that to be able to say that you have to say that he was there and said, you, all of you go burn down that building. Go break in there, tell them what you want, take over the Capitol, it's your country. Which, I don't think he actually said. Now, he said, don't ever give up, don't, which is 
sure, not conceding has been something that Donald Trump has been, I guess you could say, campaigning on or the platform he's been standing on for the last several months since the election. And so I don't think that to say that he incited the riots. I would definitely say that he emboldened his supporters. He definitely emboldened them with the idea that the democratic process was not going to work. I can definitely agree with that. But to say that he incited the riots, I think is going a little bit far. I definitely do not think Donald Trump did enough to oppose it. And Mr. President, if you watch the show, I think that you did not starkly address the grievances that occurred yesterday, and you should have. I definitely think that. And I think that it was very, very reckless of you to continue the same rhetoric knowing the historic position of January 6th and what it meant for our country. So I can definitely say that. But to say that he incited the riots, I, I do not agree with that. All right. So that same rally then moved marched to the Capitol building. And at that point, everything was peaceful. So from all morning, so from like 9 in the morning or whatever time it started, right? All the way up to the point they got to the Capitol building, the protest was peaceful. At about 1 p.m., it turned on peaceful. At about 1 p.m. in D.C., those rioters began to clash with Capitol Police. And there are videos of that and footage of people say, like literally calling the police out, like saying, you're not doing your job, like you're a traitor, all of these things that just don't make any sense. Like the police are literally just there doing their job. And then about an hour and a half later after that, they broke through the barricades and threw police like lines and stormed the Capitol building. So what I'm gonna tell you guys is if you guys are disturbed by violence, if you're disturbed by cussing, I know when I show a little bit later, there's going to be a pretty gruesome uh, footage. So if you don't want to see that, look away now, guys. But here's some footage of those rioters storming their way through the police, clashing with police and into the Capitol building.
So after breaking in, members of Congress that were in that joint session, right? Um, they were evacuated and law enforcement, literally in this next clip I'm going to show you, has to barricade the door with their guns drawn as riders are trying to breach the chambers of Congress, right? This is an arm, like all this ended in that arm standoff, which you'll see right here. Law enforcement with their guns drawn at the chamber doors. Unfortunately, all of this violence ended with at least four people losing their life. I know that one uh, woman who was shot and she has died. That woman, according to Fox News, was a 14-year-old uh, Air Force veteran, right, from San Diego. According to Daniel Wallace and Luis Casiano reporting for Fox News, the woman fatally shot inside the U.S. Capitol Wednesday has been identified as Ashley Babbitt. A friend confirms to Fox News Babbitt was a 14-year-old, I'm sorry, 14-year veteran who served four tours with the Air Force and resided in San Diego, according to media reports. Babbitt was a strong supporter of President Trump. Her, holds, her husband told WTTG-TV messages to him from Fox News were not returned. I really don't know why she decided to do this, Babbitt's mother-in-law told the local Fox affiliate in D.C. Babbitt's husband was not in D.C. with her. The, own, the couple owned a business together, according to reports. Right here, I'm going to throw a picture of her up on the screen. Unfortunately, authorities were in riot gear protecting the Capitol as the media and lawmakers returned to resume a joint session of Congress, halted hours after when a mob breached security, which we'll get to later, right? So this lady right here that's up on the screen, Ashley Babbitt, is the woman that here in a few clips later you will see being brought out. It's actually going to be right here. So here's the clip of Ashley Babbitt being brought out after being shot inside the Capitol building. And then reports from CNN earlier today said that at least four people have been killed in those riots. Who Those souls, we still don't know who they are. Those names have not been released. And nor do we know the circumstances surrounding either the shooting or the other three that lost their life. No real details have come out about that either. So while all this is going on, and here is the, here's the biggest issue, right? Well, I won't even say the biggest issue. Is that I said that there was not enough of this. While this was going on, Republican and House Senate members went to Twitter calling for peace, right? I don't think there was a loud enough voice being heard in my opinion. It needed to be louder from all sides, Republican, Democrat, Independent, and then fellow Americans. Like the amount of Americans that supported the storming of the capitals is just gross, absolutely ridiculous, right? But the representative freshman from Nan I'm sorry, the representative freshman from South Carolina, Nancy Mace, um, did it very, very good. She did not mince words. She was she did not hold back any punches in like what she tweeted and in the news conferences that she interviewed on. 
So here's her tweets yesterday. Just evacuated my office in Cannon due to a nearby threat. We're seeing protesters assaulting Capitol Police. She also tweeted, this is not who we are. This is not how our American democracy functions. We are a nation of law governed by the Constitution, not anarchy and insurrection. My vote today was to be based on those principles. I don't like the result of the election either. And like I said, we saw many politicians on both sides saying very similar things. I think that's something that's even more, I guess, upsetting. And kind of like when I think about it, is one of the most upsetting like parts of it is that America, we are the beacon for the rest of the world. And I don't really agree with Chuck Schumer very often. Yesterday, he did say something, even though he used it in the wrong context. In a, in a speech inside the Senate, he said that fledgling democracies look up to America for answers. They look to America for the beacon of how democracy is supposed to take place across the globe. And I do not feel like, I feel like we failed them yesterday. So the part that's upsetting is I look at all of the world leaders, twi like tweets that came out during all of this. So I will go through them and then we'll talk to about them after I'm done. So Boris Johnson said, disgraceful scenes in US Congress. The United States stands for democracy around the world. And it is now vital that there should be a peaceful and orderly transfer of power. Jens Stoltenberg said, Shocking scenes in Washington, D.C. The outcome of this democratic election must be respected. Justin Trudeau from, Can from Canada. Canadians are deeply disturbed and saddened by the attack on democracy in the United States. Our closest ally and neighbor. Violence will never succeed in overruling the will of the people. Democracy in the United States must be upheld. And it will be. Giuseppe Content from Italy. I am following what happened with what is happening in Washington with great concern. Violence is incompatible with the exercise of democratic rights and freedoms. I'm confident in the strength and robustness of the institutions of the United States. Turkey's foreign prime minister, Professor Dr. Mustafa Sintop, we follow the events in the USA with concern and invite the parties to calmness. We believe the problems will always be solved within law and democracy. As Turkey, we have always been in favor of law and democracy, and we recommend it to everyone. Michael Martin from Ireland. The Irish people have a deep connection with the United States of America, built up over many generations. I know that many, like me, will be watching the scenes unfolding in Washington, D.C. with great concern and dismay. The European leader, Joseph Burrell Fontellis, tweeted, in the eyes of the world, American democracy tonight appears under siege. This is an unseen assault on U.S. democracy, its institutions, and the rule of law. This is not America. The election results on November 3rd must be fully respected. I commend the words of President-elect Joe Biden. The strength of the U.S. democracy will prevail over extremist individuals. Right? So these, these are prominent world leaders across the globe, right? that have things to say that are are scared. Like they were concerned about the American institutions and for good reason, right? Like there were reports of legitimate pipe bombs were found at both the RNC and DNC headquarters in Washington. I will go on record right now saying that as a veteran, as an American, as a patriot, if this is indeed correct and it is indeed terrorism, 
at the very least. And those on the far right will try to call me out and say that, well, the Constitution says that when tyranny takes over that, it is our responsibility to fight, right? It is our responsibility to take back the country, which I will agree with 100%. However, we were not at that point. The thing that the people on the right wanted most, people that I wanted most, people that other Republicans and conservatives wanted most, was to the objection was for the objection to the election to take place. And it was taking place at the very moment that these riots began. At the very moment that these riots began, the people that you elected and called upon to represent you in Congress was doing that. Senator Ted Cruz, Representative Howley, right? Representative Green from Georgia. All across, and I will even go to say, even on the Democrat side, right? Senator Amy Klobuchar and Chuck Schumer, right? They were all in there letting the democratic process unfold. Doing the one thing that they you all wanted them to do. And like I said at the very beginning, it undercuts, like those rights undercut the democratic process and everything the Republican Party has been striving to, for over the last four years. They were in the chambers of Congress fighting for your voice, right? But that wasn't good enough for you. Those of you on the far right, those of you on the extreme right, those of you that are still condoning the actions that occurred on the right, if you listen to my show, hear me now. It was wrong when BLM and Antifa rioted and looted. And it is wrong now. We cannot turn on the actions that we once condemned, we can no longer condone, right? We cannot be hypocrites. We cannot fall into the same line of rhetoric that we see from the left, right? It was wrong when they did it, and it is wrong now. Now, when you look to the national news, what you will not see, right, is that Trump did, at, like, during it and shortly after the riots and while the Capitol was under siege by these rioters, he did call for peace. He 100% called for his peace. But you will not see that. Why? Well, because Big Tech, Instagram, and Twitter has taken down those tweets and those videos and banned his accounts for at least 12 hours. But he did do it. And here's videos of the, of the president doing just that. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election. And everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. All right, guys. So along with the president, um, a favorite representative of mine, you all know it, um, Dan Crenshaw had a response 
following the riots of the Capitol building. And he's 100% true in everything that he says. And here he is. Somebody hyped up this day as this day of reckoning, as this, as this big win that would happen. Somebody told, so many people said this would be the last stand, the last fight, the last, the last effort to win back the republic. It's our 1776. When you use that kind of language, you should not be surprised that people tend to believe it. And a lot of people saying it thought this was a game. Right? And they, now, to them, it was all performative politics. But to others, they were misled and, and deliberately angered this was real, and it became very real, and it's not okay. You know, and, and I want to say something else here. This is exactly what we could expect every four years if we were to deem this process constitutional. This process is not constitutional. The founders envisioned this. They knew that if you put power within a single body, then that power or, or that body would receive all sorts of pressure to do what people wanted it to do. This is why we diffuse power to the state to choose electors and elect a president. This is exactly what we could expect every single time if we decide that this process is constitutional, this objection process, and we decide that Congress can simply overturn electors. We're seeing it play out right before our eyes. And many of us have said this all along. This is why you can't do this. All right, guys, so what does all this mean? Well, <laughs> it means a lot, actually. Well, I will start off with, like, I guess the news, and then we'll kind of go into, like, the analytics here in a second. So over this, like, this morning, we are seeing all kinds of craziness come out of the White House. We're seeing people that are calling on uh, Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Trump from office. According to Fox News and Caitlin McFaul, with two weeks left before the Trump administration vacates Washington, D.C., some staffers are resigning in protest after demonstrations breached the U.S. Capitol Wednesday by protesters following a speech by President Trump. White House Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Matthews, East Wing Chief of Staff Stephanie Grisham, and Social Security, I'm sorry, Social Secretary Ricky Nasita all submitted their resignations after pro-Trump supporters mobbed the U.S. Capitol building to stop Congress from certifying the Electoral College votes. Late Thursday morning, a senior administration official told Fox News that Matt Pottinger, Deputy National Security Advisor, advisor, resigned Wednesday afternoon as a result of the president's actions and attack on the U.S. Capitol. Mick Mulvaney, Special Envoy in Northern Ireland, and President Trump's former chief of staff on Thursday also resigned, telling CNBC, I can't stay here. So, I think that we can all understand why it happened, like why all these people are resigning. It, it definitely is indicative of a broader issuance of the Trump administration, one that we've seen for a while that people just are not always on board with the rhetoric that, that comes from the president. I, there's not much really to be said about it, and I'll be honest with you guys. When I came home yesterday, so I worked yesterday, and I watched all of this unfold over the news when I could, and I got home to my wife, and... I was speaking to her about it and talking and I was like, honey, I really don't know what to tell these people. Like, I know that a lot of people look to the show for answers and for like objective journalism, I guess you could call it, and objective reporting and just giving conservatives that voice out there. And I really didn't know what to tell people because even though I, as I can condemn all of it, I'm still at a loss for words per se. 
And I'm not a loss for words because I condone it, but a loss of words because I cannot believe that the American people have fallen and stooped to such a level. And so when I see all of this coming from it, right, I, it's hard to fathom where we go from here, right? It's hard to fathom how the Republican Party, in majority, how we move forward. Because I've been saying for months now, right, that if the Republicans, the Republican Party as a whole needs to, if the election was legitimate Joe Biden, we need to move past that, look to the Senate runoff elections, and then look to 2024 and how we're going to become the party of the people and then move to win the election in 2024. But the actions yesterday by members of my own party have severely built a hill that is going to be incredibly hard and incredibly difficult for the Republican parties to climb over the next four years in any hopes of a presidential election in 2024, right? Like That's going to be incredibly diff difficult because every single election now will go, well, if the Republicans don't get their way, they're going to storm and burn the Capitol building. That is what happened this year, is it set a stage and gave ammunition to the left that will be very, very difficult to overcome. And we even see this coming, right? And we see this, like, especially in a turmoil that's kind of starting in the Republican Party. Like, over the last several months, I've talked to you guys about the turmoils of the Democratic Party, right? And the turmoil inside of it. Well, in a report from Politico today, McConnell's allies blame Trump for Georgia. The outgoing Senate Majority Leader and other Republicans pressed Trump to cease his fraud conspiracies to protect the majority. Senator Majority Leader, I'm sorry, this is written by Alex Instat from Politico. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was pleading with White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. The President, I'm sorry, President Donald Trump's wild conspiracy theories about voter fraud, which threatened to depress Republican turnout, were not helping things in Georgia Senate runoffs. It was part of a full court press to get Trump in line ahead of the elections that would decide whether Republicans kept control of the Senate, according to more than half a dozen senior party officials involved in the discussions, National Republican Senatorial Committee Executive Director Kevin McLaughlin made similar overtures to Meadows. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham spoke with the president himself, but the president ignored every entreaty and senior Republicans are in near universal agreement that Trump's relentless two-month assault on voting process around the nation and in Georgia played a major role in the party's twin defeats in the state. The Georgia race represented a stunning breakdown of the four-year alliance of convenience between McConnell and Trump that helped conservatives accomplish an array of long-standing policy goals, but ended with the GOP losing the Senate. Things finally came apart in mid-December when McConnell recognized Democrat Joe Biden as president-elect, a declaration that culminated in a tension-filled phone call between Trump and McConnell in which the president made his unhappiness clear. It was the last time McConnell and Trump spoke before the runoffs. And so this, that right there is the issue. There is a breakdown between the executive branch and the legislative branch of the Republicans, right? And I like Trump. I supported Trump. I voted for Trump. But it was primarily his fault. That I will not put the riots on him. Not wholeheartedly. I will say that he was part of that heat that turned up that pressure cooker. But it is a widespreading 
issue, those riots that happened in D.C. But I will say that he has a huge responsibility to play in those Georgia Senate, Senate elections. Huge, huge, huge part to play. Because you cannot go about questioning the, the integrity of the election, saying that it's fraudulent, not to trust it, and then expect Republicans to go vote for the same system. Because they're going to be like, well, it's the same system. Why would I vote for that again? It already fraudulently elected a president. It's just going to fraudulently elect. It's only going to give Biden another vote because they're flipping votes, right? Or it's only going to give uh, Ossoff or Warnock another vote because it's they're just going to flip my vote into being that vote. So if I don't vote at all, then at least that's one less vote that the Democrats will have. And so I definitely think that that lies on the shoulder of the president. So where do we go from here? I will tell you this right now. This is where we go, all right? Is if you are a Republican, conservative, far-right extremist, whatever you want to call, call yourself, whatever, however you call or recognize yourself inside the Republican Party or align yourself with, here's how we continue, all right? We let the 2020 elections go. They're over. Electoral College has been certified. Congress has certified those elections, right? It's over. That's done. Put that aside and look forward. Because it is going to be a very tumultuous road moving forward. We have to once again establish ourselves that we are the party of law and order because we did not show that yesterday. We have to establish once again that we are the party of the working class. That we are the party of the minorities. That we are the party that represents the broad base of the American people. That is how we move forward. Not by rioting. Not by looting. Not by calling out the 2020 election. Not by trying to oppose every single thing that happens inside the next four years. We should oppose a lot. Don't get me wrong. okay? Because I have a sneaking suspicion that the next four years are going to be filled with a lot of left-leaning, incredibly radical policies being changed. I do believe that there's a good chance the court will be packed. I do believe that there is a good chance that, especially seeing that this is a redistricting year, that districting lines are going to be heavily, heavily fought over, right? I do believe that the minority inside the House is going to have its voice stripped of them with the new rules package imposed by Congress. But what we need to do is we need to take on that and draw that contrast and explain to them and explain to the rest of the world and the rest of America what, what is going on. So when it comes to those 2024 elections, we can actually stand on some form of respect and platform that's been built over the last four years instead of whatever burning tower we're currently standing on because it is not it. All right. So guys. With all that being said, there is some other news, right? I will end on that. I will end. That is how we continue, okay? Enough of that sad, sad day in America yesterday. We'll move forward with one last thing, guys, and then we'll end it. Biden has nominated some more people into his cabinet that I think we need to go know of and we'll go over. So in a report from Fox News written by Brick Sigmund, Biden has nominated Judge Merrick Garland as Attorney General. President-elect Joe Biden on Thursday formally announced he will nominate Judge Merrick Garland as his attorney general. 
Sources told Fox News on Wednesday that Biden intended to nominate Garland, a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, to lead the Justice Department. Our first-rate nominees to lead the Justice Department are eminently qualified, embody character and judgment that is beyond reproach, and have devoted their careers to serving the American people with honor and integrity, Biden said in a statement Thursday morning. They will restore the independence of the department so it serves the interests of the people, not a presidency, rebuild a public trust in the rule of law, and work tirelessly to ensure a more fair and equitable justice system. Okay, let's just stop right there. That is a bunch of malarkey, a bunch of BS, because he's already said that they're going to do use decrees and cram down on law enforcement law enforcement around the nation, right? And that same like woke systematic racism like mindset. So to say that it's going to be independent, it is not. It what is independent to the Democrats is what serves their purpose. Because if it serves their purpose, they can say, oh, well, it's an independent body, and that's just them doing the bidding of the people. No, absolutely not. The Justice Department is going to be an extension of the executive branch, just like it was in Trump's administration. Just instead of opposing conservative views, it's going to cram down woke, just overly racist ideologies. There's no other way to say it, right? Garland rose to greater national prominence when the president, when then President Obama nominated him for the U.S. Supreme Court following the death of Justice Antonin Scalia in 2016. He never received a hearing as Republicans chose to wait until after that year's election, allowing President Trump to appoint just Neil Gorsuch instead. Republicans faced intense criticism from the Democrats in 2020 when weeks before the presidential election they filled a Supreme Court vacancy by confirming Justice Amy Coney Barrett following the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So, 